but I'm I'm happy to go off on dudes who want to be Kurt Vonnegut and can't pull it out of their ass. Is that is that how you feel about uh, Ready Player? Like I've only seen the movie, so I don't actually know anything about the book. But I, I I've, I've heard from uh, some guys in that uh, late boomer demographic that uh, <clears throat> really felt strongly that the you know it was film <laughs> did the book a disservice. You know, uh, there's, I, a, there's I was, a there's a weird thing where like people like I don't get it. Um, it's the same thing why um, most of pop culture is a reanimated corpse at this point. Like, they just keep... I mean, break- isn't that the whole thing with Ready Player One? It's reanimating the corpse of... Yeah, that's why media? it's a problem. That's why it's awful, is because <sighs> it's... Just, it's And it's like... Because from what I understand, it's all about knowing 80s references. It's like, shut up. Who gives a fuck? It's um, more like... A- uh, a media centipede yeah yeah well, and i mean it- like i i love the fact that i can like introduce my children like my youngest kid and i and karate kid like we watch that shit and i love i love going like oh yeah like i watched this movie with all of my cousins and i remember the smell of my grandparents impala on the way to like the movie theater in 1984 like it's it's great but like i'm not gonna if i'm gonna write a book about it it's not gonna be about cobra kai right like well i mean that's always the i think and, and this goes to like a, a larger and I think is a spiritual question or a spiritual uh, matter is that like, so we, <clears throat> everybody is, they're still like resurrect. They're still doing star Wars for fuck's sake. <laughs> and the, to me, the thing that it's like, it's like that captured people mm-hmm. and, but they can't think outside of it. Like it doesn't, the power of that was as as a as an inspiration is you take it and you ingest it and you make your own thing right but instead of doing that they're just sort of they won't leave that sandbox and they won't let something new be made it's just that it has to be stuck in this and uh i just i can't fucking stand it well i feel like that's a a very uh, prominent shape of, uh, you know, it's it's not just like to reduce that down to say capitalism is silly to me, but like, because <clears throat> it's deeper than it's something far, far deeper. And it, it captures that which is uh, a genuine sort of manifestation of something deeper. And it attempts to mimic it and duplicate it. Yeah. And like squeeze every last drop that it can um yeah Yeah, i was gonna say that it is like the star wars phenomenon is in large part disney milking a cow so and spirituality and disney like in spite of their cute stories recently about like ancestors um you know they, they, it's 
Disney and spirituality are kind of um, like the Venn diagram has a very small overlap there. I mean, I, I, it's, I think it's almost all of the entertainment industry at this point, because it's all just like recycling shit versus, um, although, you know, I think it goes, there's like boom and bust cycles of this where it like, it, it's probably going to collapse and then like dissolve and something new will come out of that. At least I hope we'll see. Um, because this is like, it's definitely nearing a point of exhaustion if it's not already past it. Um, yeah. I don't know. Need to let it putrefy for a bit. It needs to compost is what actually would be, is what needs to happen. I like that idea. Yeah. It's, it's it, because the thing about it is like, whether we like it or, or not, at least in the US, I think like, that is a window into like the broad um, like dr- dreamscape and imagination of the culture at large. It's like being focused on this stuff. And um, it's like locked. And I still think there's new stuff happening, but it's not happening in that window. And the thing is, is that that's going to have to break at some point. And then, and then, you know, the dandelions as it were, will, will, pop up through the cracks uh and i i think that's also why um like i i have a certain love for like trash cinema like just garbage i love fucking like i love like sleazy trashy shit i just love it um and i think i think there's a part of it was like when you don't have to pretend to be um, uh, respectable, there's certain mm-hmm. things you can get at that you don't, you wouldn't otherwise. Like there's certain things that will emerge. And sometimes it's just like operatic emotions. And sometimes you only see that in these like really ridiculous things. Um, yeah. Right. What I think is... Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I, think, uh, I think it's really interesting that the materialist myth of creation is um that you you have to let everything just kind of swirl around and like mix and just be chaos in order for life to emerge like that's that's our our rational myth and yet like it seems everything is kind of moving towards the contrary Mm. uh you mean of, it's like resisting it? Yeah, like, um, yeah. nothing. Like no one wants anything on the plate to touch anymore, and uh, mm-hmm. and certain things just aren't allowed to exist, right? If if it if it can hurt someone's feelings, then it should be destroyed. Um, mm-hmm. And when that's the case, like you're not gonna get any movement because it takes it takes different types of materials being present even conflicting or volatile ones to cause these drastic changes and like through those changes through that that process is how you get new things emerging that's how you get those flowers that's how you get like life crawling under the under the short like i don't believe that's how life started but if going by the official story though then that's um that should be relevant to us in other ways than just just the beginning right like Mm -hmm. if 
if we get closer and closer to homogenization or to compartmentalization of concepts, of ideas, of art, then we end up um, moving essentially further away from the conditions that everyone believes life started from in the first place. And that alone is very strange to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, isn't that part of like the whole Western thought experiment is that everything needs to be identified and classified and placed in its labeled box, right? Um, yeah. And so, you know, I think what we're seeing now is that instead of that being something human beings are doing externally for the most part, now it's all, I don't know, like it's, it's this internal thing where one needs to label every single part of themselves. Ooh, that's right? juicy. And that's so juicy. like, shit, like it doesn't leave room in, for someone to be, and when I say this, I don't mean like, you know, hot mess train wreck but it doesn't allow someone to have blurred lines inside, right? Like you need a very specific label for each fucking thing. So, I mean, like trying to talk about like my sexuality, if I get online, it's like something, not that most people want to do that, but it's like impossible, right? Because, you know, I've got I've got a wide spectrum of things, right? It's so why do, you, why do you think that is? Why do you think that people now are feeling <clears throat> this compulsion to to label every part of the inside of themselves? Do you think this is made? Do you think this is part of like a result of online culture or or the politicization of everything under the sun? Or is this a combination of the two I don't don't well I think that's I mean but that's the politics is is part of it right like you have to label your politics right like I've gotten in an argument with a millennial about like whether or not being a Marxist anarchist or Right, like some other sort of collectivist, like getting into the like the fine details of like what is what um, over, you know, the reality of people when they're truly interacting with each other, right? Everything has to be theory instead of experience. And I think that, you know, social media certainly like gives a voice to it and contributes to it in some way but I think it really is the divorce we've had between what is a real experience and like all of this theoretical stuff like we're having this conversation on our computers right and so we're not experiencing it the same way at all as if we were sitting around everybody having a beer and passing a joint around like that would be it would be a different experience be awesome wouldn't it though (laughs) 
Well, it's, it's funny because it goes, it, it's kind of the nerdification of everything. Like, it's funny when you were talking, when you were just talking about like, you know, you're talking about your sexuality and dividing it up. I'm like, the immediate thing I think of is like the endless fractalization of fucking heavy metal and how there's like <laughs> 9 billion subgenres, and like every time there's a new band that's like, oh, it's actually uh, gorecore black death is actually what this is and, it, and it's it's sort of that same weird almost like a collector's mentality or something like i don't yeah i i totally we, i was having a conversation with my kid about this like just yesterday this is the one who um you know my oldest like grown-up kid she was talking about her spotify um categories She's like, Mom, I didn't even know there was Swedish Americana. Like, what is that? Like, <laughs> bands that I listen to, maybe? But she's like, how can there be enough bands for that to be a genre? Like, that's because that's not a genre. <laughs> Spotify says uh, it is. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> you know, it's... It, I just hope TikTok doesn't hear about this appropriation. I mean, this is an outrage. <laughs> How dare you, sweet? But are How we? That reminds me. Okay, go ahead. Yesterday, I was walking in Copenhagen and saw a poster for a, a gospel festival, and it was the whitest thing I've ever seen in my life. It made me laugh out loud. <laughs> Okay, Sorry. so, but it's Copenhagen, right? Like, what, um... Just just seeing the word gospel with that many faces that, that are... Were, like, that are all the, col the color of, of clouds. <laughs> That's hilarious, though, for real. I'm sure it was, you know, Danish Christian music, like traditional Danish. Uh, they have a, a huge, a huge tradition around getting together and singing their uh, their gospel songs. But uh, I don't associate that with like Protestant church music. Mm -hmm. Europe. <laughs> yeah, gospel means. Well, I mean, like that's one of those things too. It's like context, right? How. Yeah something probably means something completely different in Denmark. Like, aren't. are okay. you going to go? What was that? <laughs> I, was, I was asking if, if he's, if he's going to go, because I, I think I'd go. I'd, I'd go just to see what the fuck it was like. I'm jealous you know, of your birds. Mine? Can you yeah. hear those? Yep. Really mm -hmm. well, actually. You get to hear birds here for uh, uh, a couple months out of the year. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very short, very short green season. More than I'm used to. It's very strange. Wait a second. More than you're used to? Uh, more short. That didn't make sense. Okay, that now now I've got you. 
you know, I don't know if we can really... air this with like all of my like folded laundry and paperwork in the background. Just the audio. That that works. Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not stressing over video. If if we the the whole concept like if if we make this too hard, it'll never happen. So I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna review things. We're just, uh, do we want to do we want to pick a movie that we have all actually seen? Uh, like I, pick at it. Very short term memory. Uh, so if I haven't seen it in the past week, uh, I may have not seen it. That's fair. Um, unless it's like Jurassic Park or The Lion King or something. I, I mean, I could. I used to watch those like every single day when I came home from school when I was a kid. So they're burned in there. Fight Club too. Fight Club's burned in there. Pretty deep. Yeah, I've only seen Fight Club like once. And it was around when it came out. So um, we're different. Yeah. Well, <laughs> really, now. Actually, that's an interesting question. What movie do you think you've seen more than any other? Mm. The Princess Bride. Fair. Kurt? Oh, Aliens. I've probably seen uh, Aliens like 9 million times. No hesitation there. Yeah. Aliens, correct? Yeah, the second one, yeah. yeah. Was, uh, I actually, I, I saw that in theaters and then I, I was always obsessed with it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say the second. Why are the second in a trilogy always the best? Why is it that a thing? It's arguable if it actually is the best. Um, actually, I would, at this point, I'd say Alien is probably the better movie, but Aliens is just fucking fun. Well, I I guess yeah. Maybe what I mean is it's like, like if you successfully deliver a sequel that gives fanfare and a, a decent story, like mm-hmm. if you manage to pull off the sequel and people walk away happy, even happy enough to be disappointed by the third one and be like, oh man, the second one, like that's a huge success. Yeah. Um, so I kind of feel like it's almost more of a thing to get a sequel right than it is to just make a good movie outright. Yeah, especially if there was no plan to make a sequel. Unlike nowadays, it's like everything is basically a television series as a as as films, basically. But yeah, whereas before it was like you just had to work with what was what was there. There was no plan. You well, just sort of riffed off. Right. That's actually making me well, actually, during this whole conversation, Dune has been on my mind because that was that was an obsession of mine starting when I was in high school, right? Like, oh yeah, I stumbled over the book when I was um, in the summer between eighth grade and freshman year of high school, and then you know watched the David Lynch movie and uh, anyway, yeah, hardcore obsession. Um, and then, like with the recent offering. I have really mixed feelings about them splitting it into two films, mm-hmm. right? Because I am a nerd enough to sit and watch a five-hour movie um, all, yeah. all at once if it's that one, right? Which I think actually is something that movie makers are missing, right? Like we've been trained now to, like we don't watch television in one hour chunks with commercials, right? We marathon that shit, right? 
we sit down and we watch an entire season of something over the course of a weekend. So I think the attention span in some ways is actually gotten longer as far as long form storytelling like movies goes. Yeah, you know, it's funny, they're actually, they're trying to move away from that, that model, of like dumping everything all at once. They're starting to pay stuff out again because, uh, because they found that like when they, when they dump it all at once, it's like, it has like a 30 second impact and then everybody forgets about it. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's true. I, I think, I think we are trained to like appreciate much more, much longer storytelling than we probably were previously. And, and it's really uh, because it seems like the exact opposite thing that's happened to the music industry, right? You got no, like, no, like full length albums dropping anymore. Like not that many full length albums you get. And if you do, half of it was released as a single leading up to the, the full release. Uh, it's like, they have to keep people. I mean, I guess that's how you have to make money on the, the streaming platforms, right? Is to keep people engaged, keep them following you. Because if they fucking forget about you, they won't notice when your full length album dropped. And then like, <laughs> none right. of those, those plays. But if you do one at a time, it's like, oh, so-and-so has a new song. And then a few weeks later, they have a new one again. And you then you, you get to used to this pattern. So they're getting all these plays. But like, it's odd to me that it, they haven't been doing that with TV. I mean, Better Call Saul is still doing that, which like, they're not, they're not just dropping the whole thing. Like even, even here, even in Scandinavia, which usually we get, <clears throat> we get things here a little bit later. Once the full season's wrapped, they'll show up on one of the streaming platforms, but they're, they're actually getting it more current. Um, for one, I think it's <laughs> partly because it's like, it's profitable, but two, I think it's, it's really good to get, uh, that all these social structures and the American like culture toxicity, like, like embedded here and really pollute the shit. Like, I feel like that's some kind of insidious goal somewhere along the line. But, um, but yeah, so like they're still doing that. And it seems, uh, I don't know if it's working or not. Like I, I don't care enough to check. I think it's interesting. Like some of them are still doing that, but most of the time you just get like, I saw someone tweet about Stranger Things season four the other day, and I was like, they made a season three of Stranger Things? Yeah. Okay, that was one that my kids and I watched together. That was fun. Like, actually, we um, we did Stranger Things as a group Halloween costume. Because <laughs> my kids, my kids are such nerds that they actually coordinate their Halloween costumes together. That's like, so yeah, it's adorable. Getting well, so have you have you watched all of it? Are you are you guys still watching it? Season four. I can't. What would you say? I said I don't know if I've watched season four. Okay. I don't know if it's out quite yet. That would be why I haven't watched it. Maybe maybe it's about to launch. I know it's hap- It's coming out soon. I uh. I mean, I enjoyed the first season. I was like, I, it was pretty much what I expected it to be. It was uh, a lot oh, of... The fir- yeah, the first season's kind of fantastic, actually. I think it's really, really good. And that that's the 80s nostalgia thing done right. Like, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I knew every one of those kids. You think so? 
I, I, I feel like they did a lot right with the first season. And, right. and it carried you along, right? It, it did some good things. And it's been a long time, but I remember it, it having that flow that felt, it felt exciting and it felt really atmospheric. Like you actually got a feel for um, the little world they were in. Yeah. And it, I just remember it feeling a little bit too small. But then in the second season, I felt like that really got a lot worse. And like, I just remember it having no idea like how big this town was. Like the whole time I like had no sense of place whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's like really affects me and thing. <clears throat> like if I don't get, especially if it's like, because everything happens in this little town and it's kind of the focal point. It's like they're all living and riding around in it on back streets and things, but they don't give you any actual sense of geography. Um, okay, okay. So the thing is, though, is that like that's part of what made the movie relatable to me in a weird way. Because like, okay, so here's the deal. Like those kids are exactly my age, right? Like the the time frame of the film right? Like I am absolutely 100%. If I would have lived in that town, we would have been in the same grade kind of that's so that's like my childhood spot on. And the thing about that lack of geography and riding around on back roads, like that is me, my brothers and my cousins when we would all be in Grants Pass and like, you know, riding our bikes along railroad tracks and like the back roads that you took between grandma's and aunt donna's like it that it's all that real and then like the trip to the mall right was a thing just like i was talking about like the smell of my grandparents car on the way to go see a movie like all like it it brought all of that into like super clear focus right including like the fucking D &D game right like it's all it's all there Hmm. um and my sense of geography was just as shitty as the sense of geography in the movie to bring it back to to that right like I had vague notions of where things were but like I didn't necessarily you know I couldn't get in my car and drive there Hmm. Right? Like, that's not the way it worked. Yeah. Yeah, so what you mean. Sure. It's also funny because that that show is shot around, it's shot in Georgia and the mall in the third one, I had been to that mall as a kid. (laughs) Nice. Uh, So that was also, it's really strange when, like, because for me, it was always this rare thing when you when you suddenly in a film you see a place you recognize yeah it's but like i watched um uh what the fuck is that madonna movie desperately seeking susan uh-huh. i think because that's set in that's set in in manhattan in new york city in like the 80s and it's crazy to look to see that see what it was like then because they're shooting on the streets and everything and it's like, oh, I reckon, oh my God, that's so fucking different. It's not even, it's like, it's such a different place. Um, even though, even though like I'm familiar with it, it's, it's, I don't know. It, it, it really has this weird, like, I don't know if it connects you more with it or it, it makes you appreciate it deeper. I don't know. 
Yeah. Most of the places that I'm like super familiar with that are also in films um, are all on the Rogue River. <laughs> right? So, all on what? What's that? They're all on what? The Rogue River. Ah. Right? So it's all, it's always like boat scenes. Huh. And then, and then I'm like, hmm. Like, because I've rafted that river so many times, I'm like, that is, whoa, nice editing. That road does not actually go there. Um, You know, that kind of like ridiculous, nitpicky shit. Oh, yeah, that's that. I mean, that's another thing is that it really lets you like understand that this is like a a imaginary world, even if it's using real places. Right. Because it's like you'll you'll, I mean, if you really know a place like sometimes you'll see the outside of something and they'll cut to the inside and you're like, that's not it's not the same place at all. In fact, I think those are different fucking states or something, you know, (laughs) Right. That's. I've only had that happen to me once and it was with the what was it? What's that show with the on AMC? They had a show with like kind of kind of post-apocalyptic seeming uh, samurai stuff. Oh, uh, what? Not uh, shit. Bad Badlands. Into the Badlands. Is that the one you're thinking of? Yeah. yeah. And they they had like uh, scenes in the French Quarter, like like these awesome like fight scenes. Well, they they, they were okay. But like these, you know, really dramatic, like slow motion fight scenes in the French Quarter. And it's just like not supposed to be New Orleans. And it just felt so weird. Like this is supposed to be some other place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like there's only one place that looks like this. I don't understand what you're trying to do here. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but uh, but yeah, that um, <clears throat> I guess it happened with uh, Jazzland too. Um the uh, Six Flags outside of New Orleans that they closed down years ago. Mm. Uh, we went there and did, I shot a couple videos of just playing music on like the abandoned <laughs> roller shit. And, um, and then later like saw that in, seen it in a couple movies, definitely in Planet of the Apes, one of the Planet of the Apes. Huh. Uh, and uh, there's, it's been in quite a few. I just can't think of them offhand. But yeah, it's, it's really cool. Just an overgrown... Uh, Six Flag theme park where like the scrambler and everything you could still spin it so like you could have your friend we we like pushed each other around on the the spinning you know uh, rides and then you could go like walk the whole length of the uh, roller coaster just like walking the track up and it, yeah it was really cool terrible but like I would not I, I don't think I would do that for fun. The top of the roller coaster. Walk we, up there. Uh, we took the ladder, the maintenance ladder all the way to the top of the um the highest, like that first incline and drop they always have on a roller coaster. Uh-huh. We took the maintenance ladder up the side all the way to the top. It's always amazing those places is like you're putting your life in the hands of like 16 year olds. Uh-huh. Like it's always they're the ones that operate those fucking things. I don't know that it's maintained, but uh, 
like yeah at, at least at like county fairs you're right like county fairs it's like oh those things are scary yeah with, it's like like trust me with your child's life <laughs> yeah car- carny carnival rides are way fucking scarier than giant theme parks for sure like and for whatever reason i don't know if it's the scale they always make me nauseous well it's about knowing who to sue i think <laughs> i don't know this is like oh like i i actually i love carnival rides but i have to be careful because even though i'm technically an adult and tall enough to ride the rides right um i have really narrow shoulders and so like i've almost fallen out of a couple of the, um of, of a couple carnival rides because oh, um, god yeah um you could have been rich why what's that or dead i i would vote more on dead given fucking some of the carnival rides you gotta fly out just right <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it's, yeah, it's fucking terrifying, right? Um, okay, no. <laughs> no, there's the kind of terrifying I pay for, and then there's the kind of terrifying that's, oh, fuck, am I going to make it? <laughs> um, hold tight. Um, but then also, like, you guys are talking about people who run carnival rides right there is nothing like being a teenage girl and like getting an extra round on a ride you almost fell out of because the carny thinks you're cute right like (laughs) fucking hell that is hell (laughs) i have been to hell and back (laughs) i've been to hell and he had a wax mustache. <laughs> no, he had on a Grateful Dead tie-dye and looked like he hadn't showered for three weeks. Of course he did. <laughs> My mistake. <laughs> oh, Grateful Dead forever. Okay, back to Spotify accounts. I had someone ask me the other day about like, you know, given some of the music that I play, they're like, the Grateful Dead never comes up on your Spotify. I'm like, I know. I'm flattered you noticed. (laughs) Well, they're like, I can't get the Grateful Dead to stop playing. And I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm. You let Spotify know where you are. Just leave I, the con- just leave the concert. Just walk out of the door. Well, no, I live someplace that is so flooded with the Grateful Dead that um, there's still a five-hour radio show every Saturday night of just Grateful Dead music on a public radio station. In <laughs> right. In 2020 fucking two, five hours of Grateful Dead every Saturday night. Look, people know what they like. Old men yell at me on the bus about not listening to their stories of driving Jerry Garcia around. Like, oh, 
this goes back to my uh my point i bring up all the time about how like humans inherently need religion and if they don't choose one consciously they will fucking find one accidentally and it will be horrifying (laughs) you know I appreciate what the Grateful Dead did to spread LSD around the United States because (laughs) as fun as it might be if it all just stayed here um, (laughs) you know the world needed that um, but yeah holy fuck the universe imagined the grateful dead as a lsd delivery system oh absolutely the grateful dead was an lsd delivery system Where else, if you live in, say, middle of nowhere, Georgia, are you going to go to get your LSD if not going to the nearest Grateful Dead concert? In nice. You want to get some of that crystal LSD? That's that's what told me it is. What? That's what they. That's what they said. They said. They said I wanted LSD, and they said this is this is LSD. Oh. I don't know if it even like like how many chemists are there really how many chemists out there with access to those chemicals anymore i mean it's probably like all not quite really that anymore (laughs) that would be my guess okay like one of the really great things about lsd is that it keeps for a long time right it's not like other drugs that degrade like you stick lsd in your freezer and it's good forever um and so like I, I live someplace that has like old fucking hippies with their backstores of vials and vials of LSD and when they need money they just like let one go. Mm. So like you can, you can like I could I could call so- someone up and ask them which um which batch of LSD they have on in stock and they would tell me a number like 75 or 37 right like yeah there's still some good shit to be found i've never done that one (laughs) 37 no i've never done lsd oh oh I've done psilocybin plenty of times, but never LSD. Talk to your Kurt about LSD. <laughs> Why aren't you doing it more? No. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, like that's, diff- that's one of those things. Like anybody, anybody can grow some psilocybin. Like making LSD is a more complicated process. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's, it's a very different experience when I understand, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it can vary wildly from time to time. Mushrooms are more emotionally. um, I don't want to say intense isn't the right word, but like the mushrooms are with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I would 100%. The LSD is at you. Huh. 
Yeah, I would I would say like I feel like de- definitely agreed on the mushrooms thing because it's it's involving. It forces you to be engaged. Like that's their whole thing is like you cannot be passive. Like you have no choice but to be present. And I think that's why microdosing helps so much with PTSD and with depression is because it forces embodiment. It's mm-hmm. like it's like like if you take just a little bit more than a microdose, there's this edge of I can still do normal tasks, but I have to really focus on them. (laughs) And when I do that, I can do them better. And when that starts to click, there becomes a reward mechanism that clicks for being present again. When before the reward mechanism was the pain stopped when I dissociated, Mm -hmm. right? You get this, this little rush of relief from being present. And then it becomes like, oh shit, like this can actually be like a good thing again. Um, but like LSD, like that, I feel like the good things that serendipitously happen on LSD are because you have a good spirit team and not because there's a spirit in LSD. <clears throat> um, because, uh, you know, it's, it's sure it's kind of a derivative of, of, uh, of a natural occurring uh, being, but it is, uh, is a shifted version of that. It is, it is something of a, like, to me, at least it feels like a blank canvas. Like it is, uh, there isn't something inherently like alive about what's in there. Well, my, my take on that is like, for sure, I have experienced on LSD, like, I can take this wherever I want it to go. Right? Like, I am never not in control of what's happening on LSD, no matter how high I am. Whereas with like mushrooms and definitely with like DMT, like DMT just takes you when you're somewhere. Right. But like with mushrooms, sometimes mushrooms are like, no, we're doing it this way. Mm-hmm. You are, you are, this is, this is the road. You're a passenger. You're on the ghost roller coaster. Um, or just like, you are going to meet this being or you are going to like, look at this internal thing you have going on, you know. And um, if you res- it's going to be really, really shitty for you. <laughs> right, right, stop fighting it. This is just, just, just roll with it, right? Um, yeah, and that's not, been, that's not been my experience on LSD at all. Right. Yeah, and I agree with you. I I definitely have more control in LSD. I I think I think that's because I had practice with other things first. Mm. Because I how like if you're not aware of your own shit, uh, it could be really it could run away with you really quick, and it does right for people. Sometimes they never even come back. Right. But, uh, but if you've already gone through some kind of initiatory like oh my god am I gonna freak out right now no I'm gonna pull myself together and like find steal my reserve and like drink a steel reserve and <laughs> come down to earth <laughs> um if you those and like you find yourself uh, on acid and even if you're even if your own shadow's fucking with you even if you have like some scary ass ancestors that are like always oh, wide open let's like get in his head now and try to get him to do the things we want to happen. Um, 
there's going to be a cognizance of like that push and pull and the difference between the you that's like on the inner inside and then those spots that are like pushing again. Um, but like, if you know that already, then like, yeah, you have, especially if you worked out some of that stuff, that's really, I can't imagine something that would ever take someone off or you know, seriously ruin them. That's interesting because like my, um, my first, LSD experience was like the first time I had ever done any drugs of any kind ever. Um, well, but okay. So here's, here's the deal though. It didn't start with LSD. Um, this might need to get edited out because it might implicate people, but not editing. Um, <laughs> but I was, I was 13 and allegedly being babysat by my aunt or actually my aunt was babysitting my little brothers who and she's only like two years older than I am right so my uncle her brother had given her some ecstasy and she didn't want to do it by herself right so we each did half a hit of ecstasy and then she freaked out a little bit called my uncle who came and got us and took us to our grandmother's house, right? Then we went to the drive-in, got stoned and took LSD, right? So my very first experience is all of this and it involved like, anyway, it was a lot. But by the end of the night, um, I was babysitting my aunt who wanted to like go tell my grandmother that there were demons in the walls. And I'm like, oh my God. <sighs> no. Were there in the walls? There were not demons in the walls. There oh, were a couple of unhappy ghosts that live in, lived in that house. That's real, right? But um, no demons. And definitely the whole thing that she was experiencing, like staring at herself in the mirror, like you never do that when you're on hallucination. I always do that when I'm hallucinating. <laughs> anyway. You don't do it if you want to like your face. I like watching my face melt off. <laughs> oh man, I no. I just see like everything that is wrong with how my thing is and my skin gets like super splotchy looking and ugh. I guess I haven't done it in a few years maybe now that I'm reaching closer to my 40s it's a bad idea I don't know but close to your 40s shut up small into one of your pores and never come back <laughs> but yeah, I think having to babysit somebody else on my first LSD trip was like, you have got to control what's happening. <laughs> Not just within yourself, but within somebody else. Well, I hate to be that meme, but like, was that an initiation? Because, <laughs> I mean, being thrown into the fire and like learning how to swim. Terrible metaphor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of just whenever you crack out of some kind of like mainframe you're in and you find a strength like you didn't know you had and you rise above it. And there's like 
a before this and after this. And like, if you're telling the story, then it's like, kind of like, yeah, that's a pivotal moment where I realized I could fucking do this thing that I didn't know to do before. Right. There's just various levels of that throughout all of life. It's just the really, really big ones that change it forever that we call like initiatory, I guess. Well, I mean, that was like, that evening was initiatory in, in many regards, right? Um, like, yeah, wow. Um, but yeah, knowing, knowing that reality can shift that hard too is pretty damn amazing pretty great to be honest I'm bummed that it took me so long to figure out and then even now sometimes I forget that I like you don't actually need drugs to shift your reality like that yeah you can just like take a moment well I I have to say it took a lot of drugs for me to figure out that I could just take a moment but now that I know that I can just pick a moment, that's a, that's a thing I can do. Um, but yeah, I think, I'm not sure why exactly, but I have a lot of, you know, running theories all the time and uh, a lot of experiences that kind of inform me on it, like here and there, but nothing, no real explanation. But like, since a really young age, it always kind of felt just painful to be existing in the world to me like just being mm. conscious it's painful um for lots of different reasons a lot of them have worked themselves out like i discovered drugs this is like I'm saved because this tells me that the way that i feel isn't permanent it isn't all mm. the time right um, and then you know that that started with an ex like with weed and then an exploration of <clears throat> any psychedelic i could find and then living in like a uh, podunk uh, white trash town in uh, southwest florida like there was there was nothing to do there was no culture there was no, none of the things i was interested in at all in the world <clears throat> and so you know then it became like over the counter shit too and then Damn. from there, whatever, like, yeah, like, eat 18 Dramamine and uh, teleport to different places. And then, like, every few minutes, be like, oh, I'm, I'm in a totally different room than I thought I was in. Um, and then, you know, Robitussin and shit. And then from there, you know, like, prescription drugs started floating around. And then that went into a long time thing with, with addictive drugs for me. But... Like in the end, it turns out like some plants help you and you just get along with them. And then like other plants you just don't get along with or beings in general, right? Not just right. plants, but uh, but it's really strange because it's like now it's like, I don't, I don't need mushrooms anymore. They're always good, but, the, the, but they are they're always good for you, for me. Mm -hmm. They... Without them, I would not have been able to stay off of crack and heroin when I quit, right? Like, it was them that mostly microdosed, but then, like, a, a few 
really big doses that really changed everything. Like once that showed me and connected me with the idea that I cannot deny that spirits are real anymore, mm-hmm. then life became interesting again. And all the painful stuff became things that I actually mightn't have in my own power to do something about or my, or between myself and a relationship with other beings have the power to do something about. And like, but, but it's, it's interesting because now, now it's, it's to the point where I don't, I don't need anything. Uh, but cannabis is always going to be like a best friend. It's like, I love her. Like I actually have this, I'm in love with her. And I was just talking to my wife about this the other day, how I am so disappointed with like the representations we have mm. for that relationship between humans and cannabis. Like we have third, second century, third century tombs and, uh, you know, second period tombs with uh, cannabis on the altars, uh, right. evidence as of a few years ago. And the, the work of Danny Nemu um, has pretty much proven that they use cannabis as a, an ayahuasca-like um, entheogen where it's mixed with cassia and cinnamon and myrrh and it has the same sort of MAOI effect that you get with, with ayahuasca and with yahe. And what we have, what we get is some cartoonish bullshit stoner culture and we get hip hop, right? Which is, is usually closely related to nothing spiritual in this I don't know about that. I don't know about that. The, the cannabis part of it, though, like the cannabis part. You're right. I will. Although... I'm, I'm, I'm not that familiar with. I'm no expert on hip hop culture, but like I see a lot. I'm, of I'm thinking of a specific song right now, and actually, like the use of um, the use of weed as I don't know how to how to say it. Right, like the song is about comparing like living your best life to being a a, a nothing, right? And part of living your best life and not in this like weird glorifying it way, but like it is taken for granted that that includes like smoking weed. But not like, but it, how do I say it? It's not in a disrespectful way at all because it's like literally naming. That's beautiful. Things, right? Um, yeah, no, like it can be, it can be really good. Well, send me that track for one. And for two, I don't, I don't see it enough. Like what I'm saying is it's, it's at least heavily outweighed by the other totally legitimate aspects of hip hop culture, which is like, like I'm gonna f- like do what I have to do to to be something and to get out of the situation I'm in, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's I have profound respect for that. I just want to see a spiritual element to cannabis being shown without it being directly tied to some new age fluffy bullshit. Like that kills me. And like <clears throat> like Marley, like 
got appropriated by those assholes. So like right. you can listen to Marley and someone thinks you're one of those like idiots and <laughs> it's really it's really terrible. I don't well, okay. So you know, you were talking about like the music industry and album releases. And I almost started talking about a friend of mine who's a hip hop artist um, and how he releases albums. But like, you know, it's it's interesting because like when you talk to him about um, cannabis, it's it's funny because like he's from Georgia and is a, an army vet who after he figured out like being in the army like kind of radicalized him a bit because he realized like how much of a lie all of it is right and like he's he's black and so like also he's been around the world now and knows right like american racism and how deep it is compared to other places like it's it's wild Anyway, but, you know, he's in Georgia and cannabis is literally saving his life, right, after all of the shit. And so that's why he moved to Oregon. And that's how I like why I even know him. Right. Um, But no, like that he. I'm going to have to tell him about this conversation and tell him that he needs to like I'll, I'll send you some of his tracks too actually brian because yeah um yeah like it's it's his relationship with it like runs deep and strong yeah please do yeah do you know if anyone's oh go ahead but i should like mention to him that like yeah no dude you need to you need to write a love song to your weed (sighs) But everybody, yes. everybody should write a love song to their favorite plant. Ooh, that sounds brilliant, actually. I might write some bad poetry. I don't know if I'll manage to set it to music, but we'll see. The only time poetry is bad is when someone reading it doesn't like it. Okay, that's a lie. I've read legitimately bad poetry. <laughs> no, most poetry is trash. Uh, sometimes children fail <laughs> <clears throat> do you know if anyone has uh has actually uh run ceremonies with what danny nemo has taught nemo has talked about no but i was actually just reading i don't know i'm sure somebody has <laughs> then there's that whole question of like who is this person that found <laughs> his article and started a retreat uh and who's gonna vet them um and uh but but i was just going through his paper today and um looking for ratios and then i was like oh shit we're about to have a phone call so yes well okay you're gonna have to you're gonna have to like give me the ratios when you find them i'll i'll find them trial and error and i will let you know (laughs) it's it's you have to burn it all right it's all smoke I think. Yeah, you hotbox yourself in a room while you're. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's part of it. They also the uh, the holy oil in Exodus was also 
It wasn't just incense. Oh, that's right. It was topical too. Yeah. They Interesting. It was uh, the word for oil is basically the same word for like anointed one as there is for, yeah, it's, it's really fascinating stuff. Actually at some point uh, it'd be really great to have Danny on to talk about that stuff. I, I wonder if it's, uh, is it, is it, um, is it oil or is it actually like tallow or something like that? Like animal fat? I'm pretty sure it's oil, like olive oil specifically. Olive oils. Yeah, the recipe, I think, call for olive oil. Um, but I think, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you could just mix up a bunch of cinnamon and, and cassia in something. And I mean, you can eat a, a decent amount of myrrh. I think, like, I think you can eat a little bit more myrrh than uh, frankincense. frankincense. Yeah, like more. I th- I think more than a, like a pea's worth of frankincense was what he said would, would upset your stomach, but a little tiny bit. I mean, that's amazing. Like a little tiny bit of frankincense screwed up is interesting, but, um, it makes your mouth all. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess they used to chew it for their gums too. Uh, I've got, I've got actual mastic gum. Um, For like, like chewing gum. Do you, oh, do, you, do you use it for something in particular? Um, it was supposed to like the idea was that it um, it was supposed to work out the jaw muscles because apparently that's something that's like very neglected in our culture. We don't really chew that much, um, so that was sort of why it became a thing. Uh, what the hell is it? That's what I use for instance for mercurial stuff, like. Or, uh, usually if I'm doing stuff with Rafa, I'll use some mastic and some frankincense. I haven't shooted it. I, I haven't shoot it in a while. So oh there it is. That's I love that it's like literally right there. Uh, <laughs> your screen. Greco drama. Oh, I kind of see it now. I think it has to be like in front of your body. There we uh-huh. go. Yeah, Greco gum. For anyone listening, it is a uh, blue tin with yellow letters. Yeah. And then it, and then the actual like, I don't know if you can see the mastic pieces. Oh yeah. yeah, that looks that looks an awful lot like my frankincense. Yeah, it's like it's like pure. It's from Greece. It's like it's just the resin. Yeah, I have some I got from. Um, I really, really like them. They're not yeah. for me, so I just like them. <laughs> I, I have, like, I think it's Ethiopian frankincense that I bought. Um, I bought to make tea, and I never ended up making the tea. But I've burnt it many times. It's interesting how citrusy it is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, like, if you burn, like, frankincense incense, it never has that like when you burn actual the actual like resin it has such a completely different scent than any of the like store made uh instances yeah you know that reminds me i've been meaning to spend more time sitting with um 
the gum from trees or the pitch from trees that I have access to locally and, you know, using them as like offerings and different things um, instead of the stuff that I have to like go down to the store and buy. Right. Um, you know, actually like spending time with the tree that the resin comes from and, you know, doing like having that experience, which I think that like as magicians, we, in our culture, we miss, I think a lot of the relationality because of the way we get to just procure things, Mm -hmm. right? Like you have Amazon deliver it to your door and you never see even another human being right whereas even if you were do even if you were getting something exotic quote unquote you know 200 years ago you knew someone who held that for at least a certain amount of time and gave it to you even if they were like third man in the supply chain right um there were there's a line of relations that you can discuss whereas you know the amazon seller says it's this bunch of machine shit it gets touched by people to put it in a box and then to like get it to your door but it's it's not the same and it's definitely not the same as getting it yourself well it's also it's also I mean, that's even more potent in relationship to food because like in the past, your food was literally local. So you were built out of the land you lived on. Right. Because that land went into the food supply that you were ingesting. And now like, I fucking, this stuff comes from all over the place, like all over the world. So we're kind of built out of soil from places like from all over that's interesting yeah i actually kind of want to relate that to what we were talking about before where we're doing all of this like internal compartmentalizing right and i think that like there's something to the fact that our bodies are no longer built out of something whole Right. Like you were talking about where like every part of my body with, you know, some exceptions, again, you know, you do have those like supply chains, but like me having a little bit of cinnamon in my cookies made with locally grown wheat and and butter and like honey. Right. Like that's a different mix than, you know, my grocery store flour that probably came from fucking, I don't know, the Ukraine, even though we make plenty of flour here or, you know, or it's cut with four different and, places. Yeah. Right. Like it, it is, it's totally something different. And so, because we are literally like internally made up of, all of these just separate things, right? Like our minds want to then do the same thing. Mm. Yeah. 
I also think there's probably some metaphysical significance to um, the idea of like, so if you think about the, the, the idea of blessing food before you eat it, <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. even, even above and beyond giving thanks, right? Like, like there's the, the reaching out with your mind and, and thanking the food and tracing it back to the source and, and giving it its respect as a being. But then there's, there's also even just blessing, like on top of that, um, which, and some people don't, don't do the relationality thing and they just do the blessing either way you're doing something right. um like that that's been i mean that's in um dean Radin's book real magic like they they tried they tested it with um a double blind experiment with blessing food from priests that was eaten by people and um they actually proved that they gained more nutritional content from the blessed food even if they didn't know it was food um and the people that that ate food that wasn't blessed but they believed it was blessed still got more nutrition more nutrition out of it than the unblessed food and more than people that didn't believe uh it was it was a fascinating thing but they've so they've proven that so if you think about that and then you take that to the level of food handling and packaging and distribution and instead of farmers who are in touch with those plants and have generations worth of uh, relationality there to the land and the plants and the whole uh, the whole web work of everything, you get people with a corporate gun to their head holding in their pee uh, until they can't anymore. Right. Or the wheel taking like smoking meth to get to the fucking shipment on time. And that's the energy that it arrives in our grocery stores with. And then, you know, we eat it in two bites and don't chew, like Kurt said, on our way, like out the door with a gun to our head. And it's like, none of that's good juju at all. Like, <laughs> none of that is good magic. That is something you want to be like pulling in and absorbing. Um, yeah, I think that, like, I think being present and, and really being aware of these things can can mitigate probably quite a bit of it but oh man but there's so, still nothing. like my my before meal like I'm picturing like my future before meal prayers now you know like taking in all of that harsh like coercive divorced energy and like literally like asking it for asking for it to be transformed and reflected back to those affected in a way that's like really beautiful because like that's yeah whoa like I'm actually excited to go eat something now (laughs) like give me some Give me some shitty fast food. Yeah. I was I'm going to make it like, go ahead. I forget who it was. Was it you, Beverly, that said this? Like someone I remember saying something about digging in with gratitude to their like Wendy's chicken sandwich and like going to that pitiful animal in that horrible and like giving its life purpose with with gratitude and love like in that moment because it's like if i have to be doing this like this animal deserves this and probably this not care. and somebody it was else not me but like they are so right yeah, yeah. 
somebody else in the chat was just like, Jesus Christ, that's hardcore. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I always, I always forget that the whole bless your food before you're eating it. I always forget that. I have been working on my relationship with water um, and trying to every time I interact with water, which is a lot, right? Be like thanking the being that is water and like actually like being with it, like doing the dishes, drinking some water, making my coffee, all Mm. of it. Yeah. Hmm. Have, you ever done a, have you ever done a water fast like in other words not even take in water like no food no water okay so i will i can i can do the intermittent fasting right like um but dude you're you're looking at someone who if they do not eat like drops down to 85 fucking pounds real fast Right. Like if I don't get my calories, like I die. I mean, like people, people can talk to me about like body types or whatever, or I, I, I don't, I don't even care. Like, I know if I, it doesn't have to be much, right? Like I, I can make it through the day on a spoonful of peanut butter and a glass of water if I have to, but, um, no. No, I would not. Would not ever. Mm. Sounds terrifying. Have you, Kurt? I did it for 24 hours, which is like you stop. You take your last, I took the last drink of water at like 10 p.m. No, 8 p.m. And then didn't touch. Like the most extreme one is you don't, you don't even wash your hands. You have no interaction. Um, it was interesting. Uh, I don't remember it being any harder than any other fast, honestly. Okay. The hard, the hardest part was like actually cutting the coffee, mm. leading up to it. That was the toughest thing. Um, and then I, and then even after I broke the fast, I still stayed away from coffee for a couple of days. And then uh, it was like the fling was like I had, I had broken up with my best friend. Oh. <laughs> and then, and then so, so when I started drinking coffee again, I was like, holy shit, I love coffee. <laughs> yeah. Which is also why I will never touch cocaine because uh, I know I would I would become a coke addict in like 30 fucking seconds. Okay, that that is so real. So I waited until I was like 40 before I tried cocaine. And like, it was a fun night. I had a great time. Mm -hmm. Um, But then like two days later, I was super duper tired. And I was like, I was like, damn, like I could use a bump. Oh God. I'm like, like, whoa, (laughs) that is how I know that That this is a really bad idea. That's how they get you. Oh, I was like, yeah. yeah, that's, this is, if I, if I take that bump, I will, it'll only take me farther down that road. Yeah. Take a, yeah. Yeah, definitely pass on the crack pipe. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I would, I would, I would definitely, uh, I would be a jittery Wall Street mess. Is probably what fucking happened. Okay, hold on. <laughs> Speaking of Wall Street messes, Kurt, did you cut your hair? Oh yeah, it looks really good. <laughs> Thinking I was like, I was. I've been looking at you, going like, that is so different. And then, like, I saw that you didn't have the ponytail in the back, and I was like, oh, that's what it is. I feel like that was a sick burn. Uh, I cut it before. uh, I cut it right before I went to go went down south to see both her and my parents. Uh, Oh my gosh, you got a haircut for the parents. Yeah, because also I know like my my mom. Well, it, it wasn't just for them. It was like I was getting fed up with having long hair. It gets annoying after a certain point. Um, but also I know that like my mom loves it when I cut my hair. <laughs> like we when I was growing up, we went to war over my hair over my hair being long. Wow. Like, she literally like choked me out one time because I wouldn't cut my hair. What? Yeah. Like not like hard, but she definitely grabbed my neck and like shook me, because because I was like, I don't know. Me and my mom have a very uh, we're it's, close. It's it's better now, but it, it's always been a kind of an antagonistic relationship. Um, we're very different people. Um, I got along much better with my father, but then um, but he died when I was eighteen, so I've only had my mom and it's yeah we're just very we're made up very different um she's like very uh she's the matriarch of the of her side of the family Mm -hmm. like literally like um uh she was like the second mom of like nine kids seven nine kids i forget how many um like she was the second oldest child born. And so she sort of helped raise everybody else and has like never really left that position. Do we have the same mom? Cause you're I'd, literally describing my mother right now. Uh, really, really good for the show. If you guys ended up being brother and sister and we had, <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. Uh, yeah, that would probably, that I don't even know how that would even be possible. Um, I don't know. My yeah, uh, my my mom was the head of. It was like her brother, and then her, and then nothing but girls. Like that whole side of the family is like it's like seven girls and one boy, or six girls and one boy. I have to count it out again to remember how. My- my mom, second oldest, again, older brother. Uh-huh. Um, but it is seven girls and three boys, 10 kids. Mm. That's, so, that's closer to my father. My father, I think the total, I think it was like 14. It was like 12 or 14. Um, my, my father was in like the younger, it was crazy. I, I remember catching, I was catching up with, I called like a, an aunt on that side of the family just to sort of like talk about it. And she was like, yeah, it was like my parents had like three different families, like in different eras. Mm-hmm. Cause it was like different batches of kids. Um, <laughs> what? Um, you... Batches of children. That's yeah. 
Yeah, basically. No, as somebody who had like the solo kid and then like my litter, I totally understand. Okay. Litter, that's even better. So, yeah, because like there's the same age difference between my oldest kid and my youngest kid as there is between me and my oldest kid. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So she didn't have any siblings until she was 13. Wow. Ah. Yeah. Fucking crazy idea. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, that's so what you both like, have talking to you I'm like mm, yeah four kids people think that's a lot they don't even know <laughs> I have 70 cousins <laughs> oh yeah I have a shit ton of cousins too yeah oh yeah it's insane yeah uh, in fact I basically there a lot of some of them are all more or less like siblings because like like my um I have I have an aunt uh on sharon who like she had twins and uh she'd always been in like kind of shitty relationships so my mom basically raised her kids while she was yeah. sorting her life out and they lived with us for a good portion um, so do you, you both have uh seven sisters appearing in your family um my mom is one of seven sisters <laughs> very pleiades yeah I was gonna say, do you guys have like any? Have you had Pleiades thing, Pleiadian things come up? I haven't uh, looked for them, yeah. but uh, um, you know, I mean, like my oldest kid is like, well, I'm not. I shouldn't talk about her astrology on the internet, but whatever. Like she's smack in the middle of the Pleiades. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> No, not that, nothing quite like that. I actually think it's like less than that. It's maybe like six, five or six. Or six. Um, what's interesting though is that I don't, uh, which which module was it where it was like the RuneSoup one where it was like make a star map with candles and then journey on it? I did the Pallades. I did the Pallades and it was a really interesting experience. Hmm. Um, the, it was sort of like the mythic relate. What I got out of it was it was like the myth. At least I think, which is a very like my perspective is that it was like the Pleiades are almost these the women you pursue, but never actually it never actually consummates or becomes something else. It's always this like ideal and you chase, uh, but you don't because because I think it's also like Orion is chasing them. That's a there's in an some mythos, yeah, that's yeah. the case. Yeah, so so to me, there they were like there were these like um, I experienced them as these very like beautiful like like carousing like like dancing sisters, and they're all very like beautiful and like uh, sexy and and everything. But you you will you will never get them, <laughs> right? It's it's this like it's this promise of maybe something happening, but then it never does. So, so to me, they're kind of like, they're the, the relationships that, that never actually happen, that maybe you long for and wish, 
but mm. they don't they don't quite they don't it doesn't quite add up for whatever reason it's right. sort of like mythic ideals yeah i think yeah. um it's it's interesting like i don't know i'm that that's making me wonder how my experience with the pleiades would be so relationally different different i'm sure it would be yeah. i'm sure it'd be like dramatically different yeah yeah like I don't know, like the women, the women in my life that I feel like closest to, though, like they kind of meet that ideal that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, the, the unapproved, well, the, the super desirable, but always slightly distant. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Oh, they're, they're, de they're definitely still that, but like, yeah. Well, I mean, like not with me. Yeah, right? no. But like, you know, like, oh, and, you know, like I'm getting old now, so it doesn't happen as much or in the same way. But like walking into the bar with a cadre of like drop dead gorgeous women and having everybody's head go, Wah! like, that's a feeling. Yeah. And, 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 right? and I, yeah. And I think I think mythically that tracks because it's it's because it's a sisterhood. It's them together. And it's, it's that thing where, like, in that case, like, the masculine is outside of that. Oh, absolutely. You know? and, and may desire and want to be, but it's like, no, you're just going to bounce off of it. Right. Because there's, yeah. Right. Actually, like, I'm, <laughs> it's reminding me of my friend, Tony and the last time we were out together she actually almost got into a bar fight over a dude that wouldn't leave me alone it was fucking hilarious <laughs> and it's <laughs> see and and just to throw down because I know that I might give the wrong impression about this like I am actually the girl that breaks up bar fights not the one that starts them I don't start bar fights. I finish them one way or another. <laughs> okay, that's real. Sometimes diplomatically. Uh, Often diplom with a blackjack, but that's yeah. diplomacy always comes first, right? And then if that doesn't work, right? And it well, I mean, like for me, it almost always works because like nobody wants to be the one that takes a swing at the tiny blonde lady. Mm. nobody you don't get any points for it <laughs> yeah it really is the um i actually wonder if they've already put the social credit score in place and they just only let you know if you go below and you get your shit shut off <laughs> <laughs> i think it mine would be turned off like I don't know. Might be different criteria than we think. Mm. I can't see the archons like giving extra credit points for being nice to the old lady who fell down <laughs> at the grocery store, right? Like that's just not what they do. Well, I don't know. Eventually the machine has to figure out that like uh, things are best run when you allow people to be people. Like I think that's the only way we get out of alive as a it's like some i don't know 
maybe, maybe not. But but going with the whole uh, like Steinerite version of it with Aramon, like <clears throat> this idea that Aramon can't be beaten; it has to learn um, compassion through our example. Mm-hmm. But like, if that's if that's the case, then it it probably won't. It still probably won't be altruistic. It'll probably be that it figures out that actually things are better if you just leave them alone. And that it's in its own best interest to just leave things alone at some point. Oh, that's that's funny because I've always had this. Um, uh, you know how they're the they talk about like that that that's a thing with like the whole like transhumanist like uh, the great techno rapture or whatever the fuck like oh, yeah. they always talk about like the super the super intelligent AI like. There's all there. There are, it's all. It's always either going to lead us to utopia or completely destroy us. And right. I've always, I've always had this third belief, which is like they'll just be indifferent and leave. <laughs> like, why would they care? If it's a super intelligent thing, why does it give a shit what we are? We're ants. Who gives a fuck? If the <laughs> ants aren't eating your sugar, why would you care? And so that's always been my like I, I it's such a it's such a very human like narcissistic thing that like we're so important they have to destroy us or like treat us like fucking genius puppies or something and it's like I don't if it's a super maybe maybe they just won't care they'll just go they'll fuck off they'll be like oh look we'll go to the Pilates we could actually hook up with them we know <laughs> they wish. Um. <laughs> But, oh, that's that's great. No, like, I love that. And, you know, back to what I was saying about, like, the, and this was probably before we started recording, but the thing about, like, the early Gen Xer, late boomer sort of techno stand. Yeah. Like, I think you nailed it. That it's, it's not necessarily a generational thing although it hits heavy right there but yeah like whoa dudes that like I, I don't know think that having sex with robots is hot <laughs> um, you know my, uh, I think my phone's about to die do you guys <laughs> want to save uh, robot sex for next time <laughs> okay that'll be the main talk of the topic we'll start with there yeah no that's actually great we'll we'll actually do robot sex uh next time <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have back on like you know the episode after next or something and we'll talk robot sex and uh you can pick a movie huh. okay we almost yeah. didn't discuss movies at all no that's probably for the best yeah <laughs> yeah i don't care what happens like honestly i don't don't care at all like (laughs) this is just for fun like i don't even care if anyone listens but does it have a name yeah the soapbox Uh, oh it all makes sense now yeah it's that there's a twitter account for it too excellent so so kurt have you done a soapbox logo no (laughs) <laughs> I haven't I haven't done that now. I could. No, I, I made logos out of uh with my phone app. Oh nice. 
we're going to go with the lo-fi DIY route. Sounds good. Yeah, I, I really, I like it just being like fucking whatever. Because I'm putting a lot of work into the like, I started writing another short story today and I'm still working on the first book, which is like three quarters of the way done, the first novella. Yeah, um, like I haven't even checked in with you about that. Yeah, I, I'd be happy to send you what I got, but it's, I mean, it's, where am I at? Maybe like I swear, 30, two 40. weeks, like I cannot do anything extra for two weeks. That's what I was, that was the rest of my sentence, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting there and uh, it's cool. It's, I think it's at like about 13,000 words. Mm this point and um yeah so it's it's fun work stuff uh i don't know why i'm still talking about that i don't know why i started talking i'm pretty hot too <laughs> <laughs> it's like as soon as i knew we were gonna cut the last part off i was like ah <laughs> all right i can be as good as i really am now <laughs> You just start slapping your face with your shoe. Just <laughs> next time we do this, you need to smoke some weed too. Me? Yeah. Yeah, me and weed are not friends. I have I have about a half and half terrible time with weed. So Yeah, That's don't also, do something that makes you feel terrible. Um it's also probably I, a good story. Yeah, I mean I could uh if I could get a hold of this very particular strain i would like to try it again because that in itself was incredible but every other experience with weed what I've was had the is, strain uh it was a pure sativa called durban poison durban poison yeah okay best had was uh man we should save this for the show but <laughs> um <laughs> was a uh, yeah no it's a good story too because it I, it was when i was in california trimming and and it was uh, a cutting this guy got friend who got it from the son of the leader of the Hells Angels, who literally like stole all of his dad's weed <laughs> because it was it was his own. It was his just took some awful, and it was his, it was his special strain, and he called it Biker Bit because it's like no one else is allowed to touch it but me. So his son took it and like distributed it to a few people and then they renamed it something else like like the guy that we worked for told us this story and then he was like but like it's called butterfly milk because if anyone finds out that that happened like like you know they'll come here and kill us so (laughs) (laughs) maybe we should not advertise that the poor kid like we don't want anybody getting death threats from the hell's angels no, no, it was the, the sun would have been fine. It was the guy that we were working for got it through somebody from the sun. And if anyone found out that the, the guy that we knew was growing it and cloning it. Okay, like they, I'm just going to say Humboldt County is not that big. We need to. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> this was like 10 years ago. Still. He doesn't even, yeah, I don't even know if they're live anymore. Not if the Hell's Angels found out about butterfly milk. <laughs> but that stuff was, uh, it was like three different pure sativas mixed. Whoa. And it didn't even smell like any weed I'd ever smelled before. Like it almost had a yellow hint to it. Like it was like desert weed. Like the premium. Weird, like like ditch weed? 
it was some kind of Afghani and then like a premium Afghani and then Northern Lights and something else. Uh, where, yeah, it was three pure sativas mixed and it was like, I don't even know how to explain. It was like, I didn't need coffee in the morning with it. It was like, I this, would try that. I would be really curious what that was like. That would be like, it's like awake and focused and like, I can imagine things and just kind of see them like kind of on the come down of mushrooms. Like if you, if you get all the, the like work done and then you just kind of get to like enjoy and imagine. And it's like easier to visualize things for me. Like it was like that, like it was just like, I could just project images in my mind and like stare at them and like complex situations or like physics and things. You can mm. just imagine. It was unbelievable (laughs) that is that is unbelievable because i do not think very well abstractly when i am engaged with marijuana at all i uh i i usually do on with sativa indica is more a dream thing uh more of a a belly thoughts than a head thoughts well it's interesting because when i did when i did durban poison it, it was like super embodied but in this very weird it's almost like it the focus was like on the immediate field around my body mm-hmm. like it, it was and there was also this quality of like very like every step i took was like everything bounced it was like really it's so funny because it's the exact opposite of my wife my wife is like very talkative and she gets very external and then like i just like like i'm like getting sucked deeper into myself (laughs) yeah i actually well like it's only been in the past four years since i started doing spiritual practice every day of my life in some way or another right that it's become a a really consistently helpful ally because Mm -hmm. there were times where uh in my past where it was like unbelievably helpful in ways that like if, if if i wanted to smoke crack and i was at band practice and i was having to wait till later like i would skip smoking weed with the boys because if i smoked weed then like later i wouldn't want mm-hmm. and i like would avoid it on purpose so that i'd still want it. but later Ooh, that's I re- a real addict man but like later when I realized that my relationship with it runs a lot deeper. And I think there's actually some connection between that plant and Asherah because the place and the methods and all that. Um, And because they're both these very strong feminine presences of similar sort of, Mm. there's something, there's something there for me in that and like looking back it's really interesting to see like this plant has was trying to fucking help me it was like mm. actually, like if you i'm gonna push this thing that's bad for from your desire like it was actually shifting my desire away from it and like wow. i i just it was too dense to like figure out that was actually the plant doing that for me but it's like yeah if i'm not if it's been like three or four days, if I've like really slacked on prayers and I smoke, I might get kind of stuck in a weird place. But 
what I figured out in these last four years, that's literally always my fault. Mm. <laughs> because then, because my boundaries aren't well enough set for the home, like magically, or I didn't clear myself or I haven't like taken a moment to connect with my spirits. Like it's, it's always, it's literally always on me. And if I do those things, that cloud can lift. If I just say through prayers that, um, or close, and then, and then I'm able to like really connect like and pray again, uh, inside. And I'm, I'm like more mentally coherent. Like the ADD is easier to ignore. Like, cause I can, I can feel the thoughts like kind of shift and change and still remain still here. Like it's just like really effortless uh, compared to how it is without. Uh, this makes it. So- would would you, since you're both really into it, uh, would you say both of you deal more with anxiety or depression? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, both. All right, I'm curious. So okay, so like my coping mes- mechanism for anxiety is actually it's it's another drug really but um i play puzzle games on my phone Mm. that like i have to turn my brain on to something else that has like a little bit of like dopamine involved um if i'm if i'm out of alignment right like Mm. that that's my go-to there as opposed to weed and actually like today I smoked kind of um as a treat but generally like for real the joint that I'm smoking on has lasted me for three weeks like I'm not a big weed smoker um it yeah like I um well one it really affects me and two, like there are only three things I ever want to do after I've smoked weed. You know, I want to eat, I want to sleep, or I want to have sex. Those are the only things that are like very interesting. Hmm. Although this conversation has been great. Like I can do other things and enjoy them, <laughs> but the things that I really want to do. That's so funny. Like I always, <laughs> I've, I've like, yeah, I've noticed that about quite a few ladies that it's like yeah I, I like to smoke and and like then I'm immediately in the mood and I'm like that's fascinating to me because like I smoke and I'm like I gotta go work on that story I gotta work on I gotta write a story. like it's all like like ah like I gotta go work on my shit now <laughs> it's so funny to me that it's this like total difference that I've in my experience uh in in intimate relationships Right. Like, I just like want to rub my body on someone, like, literally. <laughs> let's get these bitches high. What's that? Okay. I said, let's get these bitches high. Let's... You become a dolphin, basically. That's what I... <laughs> I mean, not quite as rapey, thank you, but. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Oh, 